Hi there. Thanks for coming back to hear another story about the Peters children. This week's story, The Peters Wildlife Rescue, is also based on a true story from the author's life. Listen as Pearson and Penelope learn some truths about God after they experience loss. Sometimes we go through difficult times, but the Lord promises that he'll be with us through the good and the bad times. And as Daddy Peters instructed his children, God wants us to trust him in everything. As always, if you hear the title of an old hymn or a hymn line in the story, make sure to send us your answer to whimsywins at gmail.com. And if yours is the first one with the correct answer that we receive, we will send you a prize. Are you ready for the story? Here we go. The Peters Wildlife Rescue. It was the first week of September, and the Peters children were walking to the end of their long driveway for the school bus pickup. The summer weather was slowly waning, and the darkness was descending earlier as the days progressed. The weather was still warm enough, even in the early mornings, so Penelope only needed a light sweater over her school clothes. But Pearson insisted he didn't even need a pullover. He would have been content to wear shorts and t-shirts to school every day, even when the frost replaced the morning dew. For that very reason, Mama Peters had a rhyming rule just for Pearson. If the low is in the 40s, absolutely no shorties. So that's why, when October came around each year, Pearson began checking the forecast on Mama Peters' phone each day. Mama Peters always reserved the right to require pants, even if the low was predicted to be in the 50s. As Penelope and Pearson sat at the end of their driveway finishing off their toaster waffles, the morning had been too rushed for their usual eggs and toast. Penelope mentioned that Mama Peters had seen more frazzled lately. Normally, Mama was up and at him at daylight, beginning her day by reading her Bible in the big Queen Anne chair that used to belong to Grandma Peters. Lately, though, when the Peters children had come downstairs for breakfast, Mama Peters was still in bed, and Daddy Peters was the one who served breakfast. As a matter of fact, today was the fifth morning in a row that he had made breakfast. What was even odder about all of it was that Mama Peters usually bemoaned the calorie-laden, microwavable frozen foods, yet here they were nibbling on toaster waffles waiting for the school bus to arrive. Penelope and Pearson didn't mind, though, because they loved toaster waffles. But it was definitely out of the ordinary for Mama Peters, who made everything homemade and from scratch. The children often wished they had store-bought cookies and canned spaghetti like some of their friends. Frequently, Pearson traded a homemade chocolate chip cookie for one of Finn Wells' packaged Rice Krispie treat. He found himself staring longingly at Finn's cup of noodles at lunchtime, with little regard for his leftover meatloaf sandwich. Oh, it wasn't that Pearson didn't like Mama Peter's cooking, because he did. It was just that sometimes a yummy meal from a store would really satisfy his cravings. And that had been happening since Monday, when Daddy Peters had begun packing a lot of prepackaged food in the children's lunches. Pearson was absolutely thrilled when the night before he discovered Daddy Peters packing not one, but two cups of noodles in his and Penelope's lunch boxes. Friday's lunch would be a good one. Munching on the last bit of his waffle, Pearson stared mindlessly up into the elm tree that he was leaning against. He suddenly stopped chewing and yelled to Penelope, Pen! Look at that! It's a bird's nest! And there, 
A few branches above Pearson's head, and perched securely in the intersection of two branches, was a brown twig nest. Pearson backed away from the tree to catch a glimpse of the contents of the nest. He only had to move about 15 feet and stand on his tiptoes to see the points of baby beaks poking into the air. Penelope, who was shorter than her brother, had to do more than stand on her tiptoes to see inside the bird's nest. So she did the next best thing and jumped up and down continuously. With each jump, she was able to see inside the nest. There must be five or six babies in there, she yelled excitedly. I wonder how old they are. It was just about then that the school bus came rumbling down the street, the brakes screeching as the bus came to the stop at the end of the driveway. The driver, Mr. Billy, or Mr. B as he was known to all the school bus riders, opened the bus doors and called out to the Peters. Come on, kids, we gotta get moving. Pearson sighed, and he and Penelope reluctantly picked up their backpacks and stepped up under the bus. Good morning, Mr. B, they politely greeted him. Happy Friday, Mr. B replied as he pulled the doors closed. With the bird's nest quickly forgotten for the moment, Pearson sat down next to Finn and told him all about the lunch that Daddy Peters had packed for him. But Finn was unimpressed. Piers, I would take your mom's cooking any day over this stuff. My mom doesn't like cooking. Penelope found a seat next to Emily and they resumed their conversation from yesterday about their charm bracelets. Penelope had gotten hers for her birthday in August. She loved the little piano charm with the tiny working keyboard but her favorite was a baby bird charm which was encrusted with little diamonds. Mama Peters had explained to Penelope that the diamonds were not real, but this made no sense to Penelope. They shined like diamonds, and they were certainly as beautiful as diamonds. Emily kept pressuring Penelope to trade her bird for Emily's poodle charm with the rainbow tufts of fur. When she realized that Penelope was adamantly opposed to trading her beloved bird charm, Emily upped her offer. Not only was she willing to trade her poodle charm, but now she included her much-loved pink penguin charm, whose feet danced back and forth and jangled whenever she moved her wrist. Penelope was immovable, though. She had no intention of making any kind of deal to trade her treasured bird charm. The bus stopped in front of Evergreen Elementary, unloading its 50 or so passengers. No matter what, today would be a great day because it was Friday, and Fridays were the best for several reasons, one of which was that in Mrs. Grable's art class, the projects they had worked on all week would be ready to take home that day. It just needed to be finished. Another reason that Penelope loved Fridays was that the Peters family usually went out to dinner. But best of all, of course, was that Saturday was the next day after Friday, and Penelope and Pearson would get to sleep in and eat a big old breakfast and play and watch a movie and still have another day to relax without school. All of that would have to wait, however, until they concluded their school day. In her first class, Penelope turned in her copywork. Every day, Mrs. Swanson, her English teacher, sent home a page of copywork. The copywork was always a part of a bigger story. The story, Little House on the Prairie by Laura Ingalls Wilder was one of Penelope's favorites. The book described the Wisconsin woods and a gray log house in such fanciful detail that Penelope pictured herself on a farm. She could see herself breaking the colts and milking the cows and feeding the pigs and sometimes being fearful of black bears with nothing but daddy's gun to protect her. She loved animals and longed for one of her own. Every six months or so, she would deliver an impassioned plea to her parents for a puppy. She knew exactly the kind of puppy she wanted, too. Her heart was set on a brindle bulldog. 
She wasn't even totally certain what a brindle bulldog looked like, but she knew that if a brindle bulldog was good enough for Laura Ingalls Wilder, it was certainly good enough for her. But as often as Penelope begged her parents for the brindle bulldog, the answer continued to be a definite no. She would drop the subject until it burned so powerfully in her heart that she was forced to vent another recitation of all the reasons she should have a puppy. No amount of promising or begging would convince Daddy Peters that Penelope would go outside each morning and shovel dog poop into the trash can. After school had ended for the day, Pearson and Penelope were reunited on the bus ride home. They sat together and entertained one another with stories of the day. Pearson was still pretty excited about his lunchtime cup of noodles. He told Penelope about how when he had sucked a long noodle, the end of the noodle sort of snapped him on the cheek and was stuck there until he could pull it off and put it into his mouth. Penelope laughed as she imagined Pearson with a noodle stuck to his face. Pearson seemed to be enjoying the receptive audience so much that he began to reenact the scene, exaggerating every move and even falling on the floor of the bus as if he were unable to get the pretend noodle off his face. Mr. B didn't find Pearson funny at all and without turning his head yelled, Get off the floor! Pearson immediately stopped his silliness and jumped on his seat next to Penelope, who was still giggling loudly. <laughs> when the bus stopped in front of the Peters driveway, Penelope and Pearson said their goodbyes to all of their friends and hopped off. They began to walk past the elm tree when Pearson noticed something a few yards in front of him on the ground. It was moving. Penelope, too, noticed it. They approached cautiously and within a minute realized that it was a fledgling, most likely from the nest that they had spotted earlier that morning. Pearson knew from his science studies that fledglings were young birds who were just beginning to take flight. This bird, he knew, was a fledgling because it already had its brown feathers. And while it was old enough to have begun flying, for some reason it was hopping and dragging one of its wings along the ground. Oh, cried Penelope, it's hurt, Pearson. Pick it up, it's hurt. We can't just pick up birds, Pearson said gently. Daddy said that could be a good way to get sick. Let's go get him. Remember, he's home early today. Pearson raced toward the house as fast as his heavy backpack would allow. Once inside, he explained to Daddy Peters all about the bird outside, but he was so frantic for Daddy to act quickly that he rushed through his words, slurring and leaving out necessary details like the location of the bird. Daddy Peters encouraged Pearson to calm down and take a breath and give details that would help Daddy Peters figure out what to do. Once Pearson, with Penelope's help, gave Daddy the necessary details, Daddy tied his shoes and walked outside with the children. When they came upon the baby bird, he announced, ah, it's a sparrow, and it's cute. Should we put it back in the nest? Pearson asked. I don't think we can do that without spooking the mother, Daddy Peters replied. Plus, this is a bird that was trying to fly free from the nest. I'm not sure how its wing got injured, but probably the best thing to do is to put it in a shoebox and bring it to the little wildlife shelter up the street. Maybe they can fix it up, but it's only open until noon from what I recall so we will have to wait until tomorrow. Daddy Peter scooped up the bird and gingerly walked toward the house with Penelope and Pearson rapidly following to keep up with his gigantic strides. As they walked, they couldn't help but notice that the bird, which was safe inside Daddy Peter's big hand, was shaking in fear. They both felt so sad for the little baby bird. Penelope knew how she would feel if she were injured and didn't have her mommy to help her. She would be terrified. 
She wanted to hug the tiny bird and wished so much that she could speak its language to reassure it that it would be okay. Pearson grabbed an empty shoebox from upstairs and brought it back for Daddy Peters, who placed the bird inside. We need to put the box outside by the porch, children. We can give it a few worms, so Pearson, why don't you and Penelope go outside and catch a couple of worms for it? Well, you know the children didn't have to be asked twice. They hustled outside and headed straight back to the elm tree at the end of the driveway. There were river rocks around the bottom of the tree, and they knew if they lifted them up, there would be several worms in the wet soil underneath. Within minutes, they returned to the shoebox with several worms in hand. They were so pleased that they had been able to find so many worms for the bird that they high-fived each other and walked into the house. They greeted Mama Peters, who was sitting in her Queen Anne chair, sipping a frozen lemonade. Frozen lemonades were a Daddy Peters specialty. He would blend ice into a yummy powder, adding fresh lemon juice, sugar, and water. The children helped themselves to the cups that had been pre-poured on the counter for them and sat on the couch next to Mama Peters, talking incessantly about their day at school. They also chattered about the bird and wondered aloud if the bird would be okay and if it would ever fly again. After a few minutes of sitting inside, the Peters children ran out of things to say and went back outside to watch the baby bird. They named her Betsy, but that was only after arguing for several minutes over the names Scotty, Sally, Cam, Susie, Walter, and Frank. They settled on Betsy after learning that Daddy Peters once had a dog named Betsy, and it was the best dog any boy could have ever had. Both the Peters children were hoping that the baby sparrow would become a permanent pet, and so they gave it the name Betsy in complete satisfaction, and slowly and carefully, with all gentleness, they began to pet Betsy with their fingers. The tiny fledgling didn't seem to mind their touch, and it even seemed to calm her shaking. It wasn't too long before Daddy Peters came out to the porch and announced that he was leaving to pick up dinner for them. Mama doesn't feel like going out tonight, but definitely feels like Chinese food. Either of you rascals want to go pick it up with me? He looked expectantly at the children, who were always up for a ride with Daddy. Well, I'd sort of like to stay with Betsy, Daddy, Penelope answered, feeling bad that she might be hurting Daddy Peter's feelings. Is it okay if I stay with her too? Pearson asked. Whoa, no riders. Suit yourself. I'll be back in a bit. Daddy gave them hugs and walked toward the car. Penelope felt sad watching Daddy Peters walk by himself, so she ran after him, offering to go along for the ride. Daddy bent down to Penelope's height. Sweetie, I'm so thankful you love me, but I'm really okay with you staying here with Betsy. Don't worry about me. I'll miss you, but I'll be back before you know it, Lord willing. Penelope hugged Daddy Peter's neck and scurried back to the shoebox. Upon Daddy's return home with the Chinese food, the family sat and ate dinner together. When they finished eating, they all cleared the table and loaded the dishes into the dishwasher, after which time they had a raucous good time of playing mousetrap and trouble. At last, it was off to the showers with bedtime following. Or, I mean, bedtime had to wait until after Pearson and Penelope said long, long good nights to Betsy. They smoothed her feathers with her fingers again, and after Daddy Peters reminded them to make it quick, they were off to bed. That night, Penelope had a long night of dreaming about a rainstorm. Only the clouds were raining chocolate candies and gumballs. In her dream, she could not collect the candies fast enough. She filled her shirt with the candies, and just as she was about to shove a handful in her mouth, she awakened. But instead of a mouthful of candy, she had a mouthful of her blanket. She yanked the blanket from her mouth and realized that it was Saturday. 
no school. Penelope relished the thought, but just as quickly, she remembered Betsy and darted into Pearson's room and shook him awake. Pen! What? Pearson was slightly irritated that he was being awakened. Betsy, I'm going to go check her. Want to come with me? That was all Pearson needed to hear. He got up, threw on his flip-flops, and accompanied his sister downstairs and out the back door. They hurried over to the little shoebox and peered inside. It took a minute for them to realize that Betsy wasn't there. There were a few feathers and a little thimble of water they had left, but Betsy was gone. The children ran inside to Mama and Daddy Peter's room. Daddy, Betsy's gone! Penelope shook Daddy awake. Daddy Peters, never thrilled to be awakened before seven on a Saturday morning, reluctantly rubbed his eyes and reached for his glasses on the nightstand. Pen, it's a little early. Are you sure? Daddy, it's true, Pearson confirmed. You'd better go check, dear, Mama Peters said groggily. Daddy Peters sat up, put on his slippers, and led the children outside. It didn't take long before he came to the same conclusion. Yes, Betsy is gone, Daddy Peters said softly. But where? Penelope asked. Sweetie, it's likely that a critter got to her. What? Mrs. Crew's cat? Pearson was horrified at the words that tumbled from his mouth. I don't really know, Piers. Daddy Peters looked at his children who were close to tears. But shouldn't we go look for Betsy? Penelope pleaded. I don't think that would do any good, honey. I think we need to simply accept that this was what was planned for Betsy. But, but that's so mean. Penelope burst into tears. Daddy Peter sat down on the ground and pulled Penelope into his lap. He signaled for Pearson to join them. Penelope, God is never mean. Psalm 145:17 says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all he does. We don't know why Betsy was taken. I don't know if we will ever know why. But Betsy was injured. So it would have been hard for her to survive regardless. Maybe the Lord in his mercy took her because she was injured. But whatever it was, we know that God is kind in all he does. It might not sound kind to us. And in our humanity, we might question how situations like this one come about from a kind God. But here's what I want you to always remember. What you believe should never be based on what you feel or what you think. If you think that God is mean because it feels mean to take a baby bird, then you are not believing God himself, who says that he is never mean. Remember, kids, his eye is on the sparrow. Even this baby bird had a role in bringing glory to God in some way. Can you think of ways that maybe it helped you bring glory to God? Penelope wiped her tears and thought about what Daddy Peters was saying. Before she could answer, though, Pearson began to speak. I noticed Betsy had a lot more colors than brown in her feathers. I always thought sparrows were just plain brown. But when I looked closely, I saw shades of tan and brown and yellow and white, and I couldn't believe how many colors she had. I remembered that only God could make something so neat. I'm terrible at painting and drawing, but God is an amazing artist. Wow, Pearson. Isn't it neat that God showed you his glory in his creation, Daddy Peters asked. He turned to Penelope, whose right eye was squinting as she was considering Pearson's thoughts and her own. Daddy, I think I understand a little bit more now. God didn't have to let Pearson and me see Betsy, but he did. He let us learn to take care of her, even for just a little time. That was kind of God. 
I remember in Sunday school when Jonah was mad because God took away the plant that was giving him shade. And I feel like I was mad that God took away Betsy. But now I think I get it. Betsy was a gift, and I think I'm supposed to be thankful. I'm just sad. Penelope's eyes teared up again. Pen, I understand that. Death is sad, and it's hard. The Bible says that death only happens because of sin. So it reminds us that the world never had to be like this. But then, think about how much we have to look forward to if we believe in Jesus and repent of our sins. Death for Christians is still sad, but it means we get to be in heaven forever, and nothing could be happier than that. Yes, but what about Betsy? Where did she go? Penelope asked. That's a good question. We know that animals are important to God. The Bible says that not even one sparrow falls to the ground without God seeing it and caring about it. But they don't have souls. He cares so much more for people. Animals don't get to have the same experience as people. I know that's a hard answer, and it's difficult to understand. But I think that's the point, Daddy continued. Even if you live to be a hundred, you will never, ever have all the answers. Faith is trusting that a good and sovereign God is in control, and we don't have to understand it. You need to be okay with that, Daddy Peters was firm yet kind. Penelope nodded. Daddy, I'm okay with not understanding everything. That's good, sweetie. And remember, even when we have doubts, we can cry out to God to help our unbelief. We can trust him. Penelope wiped the last of her tears on her sleeve and looked at Pearson, who was wiping away tears of his own. Daddy spoke again. Let's pray, and then we need to eat. Don't forget, we haven't even eaten breakfast yet. They bowed their heads, and Daddy prayed, giving thanks that God is in control and that in his great design, this was the life he had for Betsy. After praying together, the children pitched in and helped Daddy prepare a breakfast of pancakes, eggs, and sausage. As he cooked, Daddy Peters nonchalantly remarked, Oh, wait, I almost forgot. Mama Peters and I have a surprise for you. We'll tell you at breakfast. Pearson and Penelope looked at each other wide-eyed. A surprise? They were so excited they could hardly contain themselves. Though they were still sad about Betsy, they were thankful that God was bringing them comfort with a surprise. But whatever could it be? Hello again from Grandmom's Corner. Why'd they leave us hanging like that? What's the surprise? I guess we'll find out next week, so don't miss it. But wasn't this week's story about Betsy the baby bird good too? How about you? Are you an animal lover? Do you like birds? Grandmom's husband, who our grandkids call Papa, loves to watch birds. He fills our bird feeders with seeds and he loves to watch the birds as they fly into our backyard to eat. Sometimes he looks at them through binoculars to see them better. But you know what? God sees all of the birds without binoculars and knows exactly where they are every minute of every day. And he sees you and he cares about you. He knows when you're sad about something and he wants you to come to him with all of your problems just like Pearson and Penelope did when they were sad about Betsy. The Bible teaches us that God is with us at all times. It reminds me of a great verse found in Joshua 1.9 of the Bible. Here, I'll read it to you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Remember, the Lord loves you and he will be with you every minute of every day. Bye for now.